Friends, this may surprise you if you've only known me in the past few years, but sharing my opinion used to be an integral part of my online platform. In particular, I would review and critically analyze books and films on my blog. I have my Bachelor of Arts in Radio, Television, and Film, and of course, at that time, I'd written, published, and depublished my own book. I had the expertise to dig into books and films in light of genre and cultural movements and, of course, the Bible. And by 2015, people had started seeking me out for my opinions on specific books and films. And that continued and grew, and honestly, it was really flattering. Like, people wanted to know what I thought. Fast forward to early 2017. Two films are released, and the church, at least in the United States, is in an uproar with herself about whether or not Christians should see either one of these films. And pretty much everyone who had a blog or vlog or podcast with content like mine had arguments one way or another. And pretty much everyone was using the Bible to establish those arguments. There were good points from just about every angle imaginable. Being who I was, I was ready to share my own argument. I was clear on where I stood on seeing or not seeing these films. And again, people in my circles wanted to hear what I thought about the issue. If you know anything about search engine optimization and algorithms and engagement, you know you wanna weigh in on these topics while they're hot to maximize your reach. But the dialogue at this point was so divided. You have to remember this is hot on the tail of the 2016 election cycle. It felt noisy to me, I think because of my personality. You know, I have this gift of curiosity that makes me investigate why people believe what they believe. So I'm very interested in the perspectives that others have. And sometimes learning about and weighing all of those perspectives really gets to be too much for me. So I was caught between wanting to communicate where I stood and not wanting to contribute to the noise. As I was wrestling with this, I was reading through the book of Ezekiel. And on March 10th, 2017, I was in Ezekiel 34, which for those of you who don't know, is a prophecy about the leaders or the shepherds of Israel and how they weren't taking care of God's people like they had been called to do. And God talks about how he's going to reclaim his people and take care of them himself. He's not going to leave it to these bad shepherds. He also says he's going to judge his people. And then he says in verses 18 and 19, and I'm reading from the New International Version since that's the version I was in back in 2017, and this was the particular language that struck me. But God says, is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you have muddied with your feet? This was both convicting and clarifying for me. It wasn't going to increase my reach or engagement or influence, but it was absolutely enough that I was clear where I personally stood on seeing or not seeing the two films. 
More importantly, I was aware for myself personally that trying to clarify my position for others was born from a vain and defensive spirit and would only muddy the waters, both in the people who had first inquired and within the larger dialogue because of the nature of my platform. Here's the thing I realized for the first time that day. I couldn't tell people, not even Christians, what to do. Instead, for the first time, I encouraged people with biblical principles to get clear before God on where they stood for themselves and to keep the waters clear for others. Today, I want to revisit those principles because the waters seem particularly muddy again this year. You know, social media, particularly Facebook, can be especially muddying. People consistently come to the table with a ton of information, not only about what they're doing, but about why they're doing it, or what they're not doing and why they're not doing it. Our Christian friends even come armed with snippets from the Bible. And it's easy to start feeling defensive because we're not doing what they're doing or we are doing what they're not doing and we have good reasons for the decisions we've made too, by golly. And I think we're really worried that we're being judged or misjudged, particularly by other Christians. We're worried that we're going to be seen as less than. Here's the thing. Other people may choose to judge us, hold us in contempt, or not associate with us at all because of what we do or don't do. And that definitely hurts. But we stand before God, only God. The Bible records that even the early church was divided over matters of personal liberty in Christ. We see these Christians divided over eating all things or eating only certain things, celebrating days or not celebrating days, and circumcision or no circumcision. And yet, as the book of James says in chapter 4, the first part of verse 12, there is only one lawgiver and judge, one who is able to save and to destroy. Romans 14 verse 4 says, To his own master a servant stands or falls, and the one God has accepted will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Then further down in verses 10 and 12, it says, We will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Each one of us will give an account of himself to God. It's like that saying, the opinions of others don't pay the bills. You know, the opinions of others aren't going to stand in my place before the judgment seat of God and give an account of my actions or lack thereof. Here's the thing. When I'm engaging in conversations, in order to keep the waters clear, I should not do so from a place of self-defense or self-justification. Whether others are judging me or not, I'm going to stand confident in my relationship with God. I'm going to stand confident in God as my maker, the one who knows me more intimately than anyone ever has, does, or will, and that he knows what is best for me, given my history, given my current season, and given the call he's placed on my life. I'm going to stand confident that I know and hear his voice in my life about what is going to bring me closer to him and what is going to create distance. 
I'm going to stand confident that he is for me and that he will not let anything stand in my life that is against me. Anyone else's confidence in that or lack thereof is irrelevant. But confidence is not enough. In order to keep the waters clear, I should engage from a place of love. Romans 14 verses 15 and 20 says, For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food him for who Christ died. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. The phrase him for who Christ died gets me every time. It's echoed in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 11. For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, the one for whose sake Christ died. Here's the thing. All too often we come to these passages and others like them, really intent on casting the roles of the weak brother and the strong brother in our particular scenarios, rather than understanding that we are all brothers and sisters for whom Christ died. In these passages, Paul is addressing what was a hot-button issue for the church at the time, food. Specifically, what to eat and what not to eat. Some people held the attitude that food was food and it didn't really matter where it had been. In fact, that seems to be the attitude Paul himself has. But others maintained that eating certain foods made them unclean, or more to the extreme, united them with demons. At the beginning of 1 Corinthians 8, Paul explains how knowledge ruins the brother for whose sake Christ died in this way. Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone knows God, he is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world, and there is no God but one. God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. However, not all men have this knowledge. Here's the thing. There may be situations where we have what we suppose to be the facts, the right information, and what we have, what we're holding onto, could be completely wrong for someone else. And while one of the hot button issues for the early Roman and Corinthian church gatherings was food, I believe we could reasonably substitute any number of issues the church is currently navigating. I would challenge us to examine whether our individual stances on these issues are based in our individual understandings of them or from consideration for the ones for whom Christ died. I can't weigh that for you and you can't weigh that for me. Now here's another thing y'all, my final thing really. Sometimes in order to keep the waters clear, I should not engage at all. At times, the best thing I can do, and this is a lot harder for me than most people would guess, is keep my mouth shut.
In Romans 14, verse 22, Paul says, The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. There may be things we sincerely enjoy with clarity before God, but if we invite other people into those things, we may cause them to stumble or they may cause us to doubt. So it's better to keep those things between us and God. For myself, by and large, I keep what I consume in terms of books, films, television, and music between myself and God. If people know what I'm reading or watching or listening to, they typically ask me what I think. Part of this is because of my history giving my opinions, my approval or disapproval so freely and so publicly. But really, having people solicit my opinion was something of a point of vanity for me. So there's the sense of actively not building that again. But there's also this sense of not knowing what God has delivered various people from, or even what might trigger them. So I don't want to prove something, even if God has cleared me to enjoy it, that will send somebody for whom Christ died into sin or some sort of spiral. For me, anything that involves pop culture, it's just disengage. For you, it may be something else entirely. Friends, I hope you've heard and received this well. I'm not coming to you today with any one specific issue in mind, so if something specific is coming up in your spirit as you're listening to me, I'm not the one bringing it up. Now, I hope we all examine our engagement on and offline and whether it might be muddying the water. Are we engaging from places of self-defense and self-justification, or are we engaging from places of confidence? Are we engaging from places of superiority and expertise, or are we engaging from places of love? Are there areas we need to disengage? I hope we all invite God in as we navigate what has come up for us through this and examine our patterns. If you enjoyed this episode and it made you think, a few months ago, when Here's the Thing was a vlog, I did a video in a similar vein about listening to people who think differently from you. I'll link that in the description. In parting, I'll leave you with the words of James chapter 1, verse 19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Until next time, have a wonderful week, friends.